Let's join together in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 38, one phrase that you probably know very well. I grew up, uh, just about every verse I'd memorized was from the King James Version, so I would think that first before I think of anything else. The just shall live by faith. New American Standard has it, but my righteous one shall live by faith. We're going to look at that phrase today. Yes, we are studying the coming of Christ. You may say, well, when are we going to get to it? Because we've spoken several weeks now uh, on Hebrews chapter 10, 37 through 39, especially, and uh, the issues of faith. As I said before, if this sermon was just entitled what I have on my notes here. We have the coming of Christ in three stanzas and a chorus. Uh, We're studying the chorus right now because all that we learn about Christ and especially as it relates to his coming, the issue is faith. Faith. It's what we believe. And as we walk through this today, We're going to spend some time with the issues of faith and ask some questions, okay? Heavenly Father, we start with you and ask you to guide us as we study today. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who gave himself for us. And all of this is so that we might know you, that we might know your word and that we might live it. And So today, we are at a place where we can learn more so that we can live better. And I pray that this would be profitable time for us. I know it will be because that's what you do. You send out your word and it does accomplish what you send it out to do. So we submit to you today, Lord. ask you to teach us and guide us and uh, show us more about this thing called faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith is an interesting thing. We could talk about it. We could define it. We could walk through all kinds of uh, uh, books and, and uh, conferences and all kinds of things to uh, get a handle on what is faith. But when it comes down to it, it's what you do that shows faith. You can say words all day long. But as the book of James says, what good is that if you don't show it? Faith without works? is dead. And we can spend a lot of time in the book of James and those things for that matter too. But as we are looking at faith here today, I'm not just merely wanting to define it. I want us to do it, to live it in such a way that our world sees that uh, and understands that we are people of faith. And it's not just our creed, it's our actions. It's the very thing that we do. We live by faith. Live by faith. Those three words kind of stand out in front of me. And I think that we need to give them some good attention. Uh, I told you a strategy to daily living is simply I'm to live today as if this is the day Christ is coming. And yet I'm also to live this day as if my job is not finished yet. Years ago, there was a talk about uh, Jesus Christ was coming in 1988. Remember? 
there was a book coming out, 88 Reasons Why Christ Would Come in 88. Uh, that didn't happen. There was a joke that the sequel came out the next year, 89 Reasons Why Christ Was Coming in 89, and the 89th reason was he didn't come in 88. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that there was reports of those who uh, went and sold things and uh, bought gifts for their friends because they were leaving. And then that's kind of struck me as funny too. If you're leaving because Christ is coming, why are you just giving your gifts to your friends? Wouldn't you rather them go with you? Just seemed funny to me. Anyway, it's interesting that sometimes we can get a little paralyzed with the truth that uh, Christ is coming. And if he's coming today, well, why don't we just sit down and wait? Aren't you glad he didn't give you the date and the time? Because you know what we would do. We would all sit down and wait, wouldn't we? We'd have a church service that morning. All right, that he's coming. We'd make sure of it, that we were in church. Uh, we would design it that way. He didn't tell us, and I think that's very wise he didn't do that. Uh, the point was that he expects us to live by faith. And that's all wrapped up into what we're studying here today. We can talk about his first coming, which we will, the birth of Christ. We'll talk about his other coming, which will be the rapture of the church. We'll talk about his final coming, that uh, he will come, as we call it, the second coming of Christ, to set up his kingdom on this earth and literally reign for a thousand years. And I'm going to talk us through that. But all the while, we need to focus on the chorus, the just shall live by faith. We need to keep coming back to this because this is what we do right now while we wait as we walk by faith. It's important that we get this faith understood so that we know how to follow up with living it. How do you live something you don't know what it is? You have to live out what you're called by faith. And so God thought it was so important he mentioned it four times in Scripture. And we've talked about that too a little bit that uh, he mentions that in Habakkuk in the Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 4. He mentions it again in Romans, chapter 1, verse 17. He mentions it a third time in Galatians 3, 11, and then now here in Hebrews 10, 38. All that to say is that God does not take faith lightly. He does not take it lightly, and neither should we. We examined the warning passages last week, and I thought that was kind of fun, but also kind of uh, alarming and kind of uh, stand in the mirror moment and say, what am I doing about this living by faith? Uh, we talked about that. The warning passages related to faith last week. Today we're, we're going to focus a little closer on an explanation of what it is to live by faith. I'm hoping not to go so much into what is faith as to what is living by faith. You see the difference? I hope. Because the question was, Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And uh, more than just what is it and how does it work, I want to ask the question, why do we do it? Why do we live by faith? I can make it simple. God said so. For some people, that would be sufficient. Sounds like a good bumper sticker, doesn't it? God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Uh, God said so. He told us to live by faith. 
And that sounds simple, at least that way. But how does the Bible define it? You're in Hebrews 10. How far do you have to go before you get a definition? Just move down the page about four verses. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. This is how the Bible defines faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I said substance, right? King James Version uses substance. Uh, New American, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or the proof of things not seen. It stands in very sharp contrast to operating by sight. We call it trust. I'm not trying today to to bore you with uh, some lot of big heavy words or disinterest you because of definitions and the minuteness of the examination of faith. I want to show the importance of that phrase and why God says in verse number 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 that without it, it's impossible to please Him. Isn't that quite a statement? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want to please Him, don't you? I think so. We want to please our Lord. We're concerned. We're concerned with that phrase that Jesus said that when he comes, will he find faith hard to locate? <laughs> this is why we must have faith today. We're going to look at especially the promise of his coming. We don't have tangible evidence, if you will, that we can see and touch to support our belief in his coming. In other words, it would be nice if suddenly we all get a text message that says, uh, get ready, I'm coming. It doesn't happen. Matter of fact, a lot of people go by signs, don't they? Like earthquakes. The uh, Almost every time there's a big earthquake or a storm of some nature or whatever, somebody has to say, oh, he's coming. Uh you ever do this when you see an interesting cloud formation? You look up there and say, oh, I bet he's in that one. Some of these sunrises and sunsets will make you stop and just admire it and think, what's it going to be like when he comes? The, the picture, if you go to our website and you see a picture that's advertising this sermon series, The Coming of Christ, there's a, a darkness in the background and a very bright light coming out of the clouds. I took that with my cell phone. Just on our way out of town one day, we were coming around this little loopy area here north of town, or south of town, and it's like, wow, look at that sunrise. Stopped and snapped a picture with my little old cell phone, and it's now advertising, the coming of Christ. It's like that bright light just gleaming there. Now you've got to go look it up, don't you? It's on our website. But um, anyway, those those kind of things trigger our minds, yes, but... The tangible nature of that, we say, well, this is a sign of this or a sign of that and such like that. And even those aren't so tangible. It'd be nice if it was set on the calendar or such like that. But it's not that way. We're told to 
walked by faith. And the fact is that we just have his promise. We have his promise. Did he not say, I will come again? Yes, we believe that, don't we? And that's the call that we have to walk by faith. And that's why there's a link to me between walking by faith and the coming of Christ. And the righteous one shall live by faith. Shall live by faith. Let's start with the identification of the righteous one here for a minute. It's an adjective. It's an adjective. Grammatically, we're talking about the just. The just. This is a person that not only has the title, if you will, of righteous, but it is his character, is a description of him. That's what adjectives are meant to do, right? Describe the individual. This is his description. Righteous. And so it got me thinking when I saw that and I saw the fact it's just an adjective, I thought, well, that's a big adjective. Because if somebody was given the task of defining you with one adjective, what would you like it to be? What, what would you like after somebody examined you? What would you like somebody to say? Here's the one word that defines you. Would you like the word righteous? That's the word you're looking at right now. You remember a guy named Noah? Of course you do. Good old Noah. Lord's looking down upon the earth in Genesis chapter 6. And the Lord saw, as he looked down, the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's quite an indictment against this world. And I don't know that it's much different today than it was back then. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, I am sorry that I have made them. Verse 8 in Genesis 6 says this, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The Living Bible translates this, Noah was a pleasure to the Lord. He's scanning out and seeing all the wickedness out there. One man was different. One man was different. And then it went on to say this in verse number 9, because it starts to get into a little bit of a genealogy here, and people lose track of what God is saying. And it says this, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Blameless in his time, Noah walked with God. If God were to scan the world today, how would you appear in his eyes? Would he look at you and say, wow, you're different. You're what I wanted to see. You please me. You're righteous. In our dispensation that we live in now, this thing called the church age, God still expects us to live righteously, doesn't he? When he comes, he comes with an understanding. 
and expectations. He is looking for the man who walks by faith. The woman who walks by faith. Who lives by faith. And understanding that righteousness, that little term that can apply to you or me, is not because we've earned it. It's nothing you've done to earn righteousness. Scripture makes that abundantly, abundantly clear. It says in Romans 4 verse 5, To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteous. If you have your belief in anything other than Jesus Christ, then it's the wrong belief. Because the one that God acknowledges is the one that has belief in Christ. Here's the thing about faith. It has to have an object for it. You can't just say, I have faith. I mean, that doesn't do you much good. Uh, Go home and have faith. Faith in what? Faith has to have an object. It has to have a place it goes. And Scripture makes it clear over and over and over and over again, the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. Always it's Jesus Christ. None other but Jesus Christ. That's the faith we're called to live by. It says in Romans 3, verse 10, you've heard these verses, there is none righteous, not even one. All right, let's scratch it off the list then, right? There is none who understands. There are none who seek for God. And then before the chapter's over, it says, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and by the prophets, even the righteousness of God, and here he defines it again, through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So anytime he says that the righteous, shall live by faith, or the right, you have to stop and define, who then is righteous? Scripture defines that for you. The righteous is somebody who has their faith in Christ. Okay? It's not about what they're doing, it's where their faith is anchored. Through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what makes you righteous, that's what makes me righteous. That's why we're able to wear the adjective right now. Righteous. It's not because of us. It's because of Him. It's what Jesus has done for you. He's given you the right to wear His righteousness. Isn't that precious? Boy, that takes some stress out of the day, doesn't it? To stop and think, oh, it's about Jesus. Yes, it's about Jesus. My mom taught us this so early in life because she... I told you before, she wrote a Bible verse on her mirror in her bedroom with lipstick. I don't know why she did, but we saw it every day. We walked by the bedroom. There it was, right in plain sight. I have been crucified with Christ, it says. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by Faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
Now, I don't know exactly why my mom felt that was necessary to put on the mirror, but I don't think that was a bad idea. It's a reminder. How do we live today? How do we carry on today? How, how do we do this thing called life? Two things to acknowledge. One, Christ lives in me. Two, I live by faith in Him. That's what the verse says so clearly. And it's not from what we've done, it's what He's done. He loved me, and He gave Himself up for me. What a precious thing that is. That's a, the picture I want to start with here this morning, is the only way you can be righteous in God's eyes is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can wear that adjective today. And I hope you do. I hope you do. I hope that's where your faith is. It's not in anything or anybody else but Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ. If that's where your faith lies, you wear an adjective today. Guess what you're called? Righteous. You say, but, but, but pastor, you, you don't know me, but God knows you better. God knows you better. By the way, if you struggle with that term, you say, that's, that, that righteousness, that adjective just doesn't feel comfortable to me. So, work on that. Isn't that what we're up to? We're supposed to grow up to be what we are called. So, work on it. You say, well, is that just, well, make it you. Because this is the funny thing about it all. Uh, the only way you can be righteous is to be in Christ, and the works that you now do should show that. That Christ is in you, and that's the works he's doing. So we start with an adjective, okay? Just to make it simple, the righteous. And it begs that question, does it describe us? Does it? If it's an adjective, do we wear it? If we wear it, does that mean that our faith rests solely in the finished work of Christ on our behalf? Those are the questions I started with. And I said, wow, that would be a sermon right there. But there's more. Let's continue on with this. Because it says, shall live. The righteous shall live. Very interesting term. Zeo is the Greek word. It's, we would spell it Z-A-O, long O, Zeo in English letters. Um, you might know, and, and if you've studied Latin or any other language, you might have known, there's several different words for life. There's the word bios, B-I-O-S. We get uh, such word as uh, biology, maybe from. Maybe not your favorite class in the world. Some of you probably love it. To me, it was a hard class when I was in high school. My teacher was Mr. Fish. And Mr. Fish believed in evolution. And Mr. Fish looked like the missing link. <laughs> and I, I was very troubled as a child in biology class. So that's why I never went into those kind of medical worlds. It's because of Mr. Fish, just to, so you know. But I see the word biology and I go like this because I've been painted. Anyway, um, most people see that as biology, bios. That's a Greek word, B-I-O-S. Well, here's the difference about it. Because people say, well, if that's true, it's life, it's biology. But actually, the Greek scholars say it better relates to biography than biology. 
And by that, they said, the term bios in the Greek for life is speaking about the duration of your life. The time that you live. Uh, many tombstones out in our cemetery have two dates on them. The day you're born, the day you die. There are those two terms are up there. And that's the bios in the Greek. That's the duration of a lifetime. Zoe, zoos, or zoe, is the Greek, it's the vitality of life. It's the, it's the stuff that goes between the two dates. It's what Thayer defines as real and genuine, active and vigorous. If I were an English teacher and I were giving you a reading assignment, I, I could say, uh, I want you to do some extensive reading. Uh, that would mean uh, a large amount of reading, uh, an overview maybe, a, uh, a superficial knowledge on a subject. Just, just let your focus be huge. Read a bunch on that topic. But if I said, I want you to do intensive reading then on this side, I want you to give your attention directly to the topic. Just that topic, specific things about that topic. Dig in deep, dig in deep. That's my preference of Bible study, by the way. I like the intensive approach where we dig deep into the Word. Bios, in nature, is more of the big, extensive view of things. It's the overall look of something. It's not specific at all. It's just kind of outlined by dates, and it's the overview of one's life. In other words, if somebody wrote your biography, that's what it looked like. That's bios. Zoe is the intensiveness of your life, the focus of your life, the things you intentionally aim at to make a day count, what you do with it. So, when I dug that word out, and I said, well, this is very interesting. Uh, Vine's Dictionary does it, does it this way, with the word zoe. It's life as a principle, life in the absolute sense, life as God has it, that which the Father has in Himself, which He gave to the incarnate Son to have in Himself, which the Son manifested in the world, and from this life man has become alienated by consequence of the flaw, or the fall, and of this life men became partakers through faith in Jesus Christ, who became author of such that trust in him, and who is therefore said to be the life of the believer, for the life that he gives, he also maintains. That's a lot of words to say what? God has it written, the righteous shall live by faith. He's not talking about the big overview of your life, from the date you're born to the date you're in, but he's actually saying, how did you live it? What is the, the stuff that makes up every day? That is what is your, is your living of faith. That is what it looks like. I want to illustrate it to you in a, in a simple way this way. Um, I told you before that my dad worked for a railroad. He worked for a railroad his entire life. Uh, that he was employed, he worked for the EJ and E Railroad. I say that with a lot of pride. Uh, living in our parts of the, the country, there was a railroad that went across the bottom of Lake Michigan, basically, 
uh, northern Indiana, and there were a lot of steel mills right there in Gary, Indiana. And there they would make their steel coils and their bars and all these other things they had to. But a lot of that was made for the purpose of cars. And they'd have to transport those cables and those, those bars and their coils up to the locations where the cars are being fabricated. And so we would watch the EJ and E Railroad go in and out of the mills. And they would fill them with steel coils and such. And then they'd take them out and they'd head on down the the tracks. And in town, we would be stopped by the train and we'd always watch to see, is there an EJ&E car on there? They were easy to spot because they were bright orange. For those of you who love orange, that's what they were. And you could see them. You'd say, oh, here comes one. And we got all excited as kids because that was Dad's train. All right, and it was usually just a couple of coil cars after you've counted a hundred others, but you'd see, see one or two, and you felt pretty good about that. And I've never seen one in Oklahoma, and that's. But I always look. I have to tell you, every time I'm stopped by a train, I hope I see someday an EJ&E train car go by. Uh, but my dad worked for that railroad for 40 years. 40 years as kids, we'd go in and watch them at work and all these other things. And what we found interesting, and honestly, it gave us a great laugh, was that he'd bring home safety awards every year. You may say, well, what's so funny about that? My dad sat in a chair all day long. And so as us kids would put it, uh, so you didn't fall out of your chair this year. But that's, that was his safety award. Every year he'd bring one home because he never fell out of his chair. Now, many of you have worked on your jobs for long durations too. You could have 10 years on a job, 20 years on a job, 40 years on a job. Those numbers give the duration, but it doesn't say the nature of your job. What did you do in that gap? Of time. Here's the point. You can spend many days on the earth and still have not lived. Not according to this word, Zael. And that's the word that God uses every time to say the just shall live by faith. He's not talking just of a biography. He's talking about the stuff that fits into your day. What is it that you do? What is it that you do? Some of us can walk around all day long and say, I have a creed for this, I have a doctrine for that, I have a faith for that. And we have it all written down on paper and we say, that's what we believe, that's what it is. And then they can live their whole life as if they don't even know anything about it. Have you ever noticed that? They can put a creed in front of you, they can put a doctrine in front of you, they can say, this is what I have, but the question is, what do you live? Not what do you have? But what do you live? The life that God calls us to is not marked in the duration, but in the intensity. In the righteous one shall live. When you stand before the Lord, do you think he's going to give out awards for, hey, you had 38 years as a Christian? I don't think that's what the measurement is. He's going to say, what did you do? What did you do? This is the life 
that Jesus gives. I came that they may have life and that they might have it what? More abundantly. Isn't that a great word? Exceedingly. Very high. Beyond measure. I love this word. Vehemently. Love that word. Sounds powerful. Also sounds tiring too. But if we take this word and aim it at ourselves and ask the question, how do I live? Are you just marking a calendar? Are you filling each day with the character of the one who is righteous, the one who's living each day as one who is in Christ? There's a difference. There's a difference. And I don't know at times if sometimes we think there's a happy ground between the two. (laughs) Say, yeah, I, I live by faith, but, you know, sometimes. Is that the way God designed it to be? I don't think so. The righteous shall live by faith. Oh, by the way, let's finish up that phrase and say, what do you mean by faith? Uh, the word by in all the verses, I looked them up, is the word ek, E-K, ek, is a very, very important uh, preposition. It speaks of something that comes out of another thing. It comes out from within another thing. In the Greek, we call it an ablative. And in that sense, it's talking about your source. Your source. That's what faith is meant to look like. It's your source for living. It's your source. If you're looking for direction, it says that your life comes out of faith. If you're looking for a position, it says that your life sits on faith. If you're talking about means, how do I do it? It says that your life operates through faith. If you're talking about a cause, somebody asks you, why did you do that? It says that your life exists because of faith. Faith is the source of my living. If somebody were to define your faith today where it comes from, why it is here, what it rests upon, how it operates. It ought to have faith written all over it. Faith is its support. Faith is its substance. Faith is its motivation. Faith is its expectations. That's what it looks like to live by faith. In other words, it saturates your life. Saturates it. This past week, our our water heater decided to quit. Do you know what that looks like? It drains itself all over the carpet in the living room. And uh, when you walk on the carpet, it makes this funny swampy sound. I go, squish, 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 squish. You walk across it. Wouldn't it be great if all you're walking is squishing with words like faith, 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 faith? (laughs) That's the picture here. Totally saturated with faith. That every step is one of faith. 
Every action, every thought, every way, every goal, every position, where do you rest, where do you move? It's by faith, it's by faith, it's by faith. The just shall live that way. It's the way God designed it. And that's why I hope if anyone were to define our life and they'd start to apply this passage to us, they would say that we're serious about faith. God is. Or else he wouldn't have said it so many times. So if somebody would come and dissect your life in every way, in every compartment, in every division, in every aspect, would faith be the dominant word of each and every part? That's the word you're looking at today. That's why I said, this one fits so well in the expectations that Christ is coming again. That's why it fits like this. Because it's not just a cute little verse to tack on a bumper sticker or sign on a a plaque, just an inspirational thought for the day. But God wants us to thoroughly live it out until Christ comes and gets us. Really live it out. Not just understood, but is it our desire? That's where it cuts down to the closest part, doesn't it? Is that our desire? It really does, and I mentioned this before. It grieves me that the voices of the Christian camp today uh, is so confused about what is faith. And they're arguing about what is faith and what faith is supposed to be with and all that. And it may seem easy to define, but the fact is this, that God is not confused about it. He sees us where we are, and he says, you shall live by faith. And then he tells us that Christ is coming. And how do we do that? But live by faith. We believe it. And we live like that is true. That's the big why. That's the big why in all this. Why we should do this. Why we must do this. Why we must walk by faith. It's more than just the fact that God said it. It's because I want to do what he said. I want to be that way, don't you? I want to be found that way, don't you? When he comes and looks, I want to be one who says, yeah, I've been living by faith. It's quite an examination of our own hearts, isn't it? It might be uncomfortable to have somebody else do this to you, to examine you, to see if you walk by faith in every compartment. But to do it yourself can be awfully uncomfortable too. But that's my appeal to you today, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we uh, seek to serve him best and to walk in a world like ours today. God didn't appeal that. God did not stop that command. He did not say, well, I know you're living in a tough time, so I'm going to relax my expectations. (laughs) He did not do that, did he? And it might be a tough world to live by faith, but guess what? The righteous one shall live by faith. Let's be that. Let's be that person. Let's have that be our definition as we go day by day and step by step. Living today is that this is the day. And yet, living today is that my job isn't finished yet. Let's live by faith. Heavenly Father, help us with this. For there's so much for us to learn and digest in all this, to understand it best and to do it. 
And we fall down and we make our, our blunders along the way and mistakes. And, and uh, yet your word does not change. And your kindness to us never changes. Your mercy and your love is still the same. The work that you've done through Jesus Christ has remained. And he said it was finished and so it is. We rest in that too. Thank you, Lord, for understanding that we are mere flesh. Thank you for knowing our weakness. And thank you for loving us like you do. And walking us through this thing called faith. As we do it, Lord, may we be encouragements to one another to keep on walking in this way that the world may see that it is possible to live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in a day like ours too. And so help us to be not just those who wear the term righteous, but those who do the term righteous as well. And we praise you for that. Help us, we still pray, help us to live up to our calling. In Jesus' name, amen.